Hey, welcome back to the Queen's Comic Podcast. I'm Billy Bombs. I'm Ian. And uh, this uh, this episode, we're going to talk about our trip to New Jersey for Collectors Fest and how much fun we had. We went as sellers, <laughs> and it was really difficult, but it just seemed that it was the summertime blues, it was, and it was just what? slow. It was slow. It was fun. We had a good time. It was a good hangout. It was not a good money-making opportunity. That no. said, I didn't lose money. When a bunch of vendors did. Yes, yes, because a lot of guys came out. We befriended a few of them, and now they're going to do shows with us, some of mm-hmm. them. Great guys. But what, did you pick up anything cool? Not really. I mean, that one guy had 50 cent books, and I got uh, some 50 cent books from him. I don't remember what I got. Don't worry. They were not <laughs> great, great. No. I got um, the best thing I got was these diecast Stormtrooper figure, mm-hmm. and I got Beetlejuice. Um, Beetlejuice the cartoon pencil toppers. I don't know if those were the best things you got because I saw you walk away with an Elvis figure. Oh, uh huh. That's totally. This is a little bit sad for the lady. Her um, her father was a huge Elvis collector, and so am I. I collect whatever I can except for vinyl because vinyl is vinyl. It would be something out for especially for the king. So, but I collect the McFarlane figures, and I got one of them. Um, I used to have the whole set, but I sold them all to pay off rent years ago. Yeah. She had the second one, which was um, one with him with the blue jack, which I'm having a brain fart, and then I have a suit. Nice. And I have two of them. Next up is the 68 comeback, is it? Or the 68 comeback special? Yeah, there's special? definitely a figure for that. That's yeah. the, the black leather suit. Yeah, and then I need mean, Jailhouse Rocket, the hardest one. Okay. And then there's a Hawaiian one. Did they do an Aloha from Hawaii? Yeah, one? Aloha from Hawaii. That's yeah. my okay. So the Aloha from Hawaii special is my favorite of the Elvis specials. I have the special edition DVD of that with all yeah. the extra features on it and stuff, and it's so cool. Um, <laughs> he comes down in the helicopter and everything. Dude, amazing. Dude, and great guy, great guy. I love everything about Elvis. Have you ever been to Graceland? No, man, I've never been nowhere. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> so when when my wife and I got together and I lived in Oregon and it was time decided that I was going to move to New York. Can't believe I never told you this story. We we took two weeks, drove across the country because oh, wow. I had just sold my house, so I had a bunch of money in the bank, and I was like, "All right, we're not making any reservations. We're not making any hotel reservations, and we're not using a GPS. We're just going to use like a road atlas and just kind of stop where we want to stop because like you can drive across the country in three or four days, no problem. But if you want to take your time and spend two weeks doing it, you want to see some stuff. So you know, we went to Reno, we went to Vegas, we stopped here and there, we stopped in Texas, we stopped. Uh, at Memphis, we spent the night in Memphis at the Heartbreak Hotel, and went to Graceland, and also went to Sun Studios, which was very cool. It's beautiful. But Graceland is interesting because we're going off topic. Obviously, um, it's interesting because like when you get to the end of the tour, that's where they're all buried, and it's it's the it's sad. <laughs> like I'm I'm there and I'm like oh, I just spent like four hours checking out Elvis's collection of suits and Elvis's guns and Elvis's car and I just got to walk on Elvis's plane and I got to see like all sorts of just like cool random Elvis stuff. I was in the jungle room like I'm feeling pumped and then at the end of it I'm like oh man he's dead he's down there he's dead along with like the rest of his family and I'm like fighting back tears and like some little kids running around causing a ruckus and I'm yelling at him telling him to stop and be respectful and it was emotional. Well, I have an easy way to say the segue into this in the comics. One of our earlier episodes, we talk about Kiss. Yes. And Gene Simmons talks about the reason that he does so much memorabilia and comics and meet and greets is because he never met Elvis when he became a musician. Okay. Because Elvis died in 77. I was already playing for a couple of years and I yep. never got to meet him. So that's why a lot of times he likes conventions and comic stuff, even though he hasn't done many of them, because I like the option being there. Mm-hmm. But he does a private convention like for... I don't know how much it is, but you get a, a box set, a suitcase 
filled with stuff from uh, Gene Simmons. Oh, that crazy thing. Yeah, I remember seeing Kiss advertising that. And it's like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars or something No, no, like no, that. no. It was like a thousand bucks. Yeah. And it was less than that because I remember when it was coming out and I heard Gene Simmons talk about it because it's the whole point is, and this is before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So this is because the pandemic is a big part of this story today, too. Right. Like we're going to talk about uh, collectors, writers, fees, shows, all that stuff. But that's uh, he talks about that. And that's why he made stuff like that. He goes in New York. It's easy to meet 10 of us to meet up. Yeah. It'll be worth it when we will do a meet and greet. Ten uh, Kiss fans. You get a suitcase full of stuff. All the records. You get an early version of him as a kid recording uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, mm-hmm. some weird stuff like that. Some sunglasses he wore on tour, different stuff. He kept He kept it for this stuff. is because of Elvis. He goes, I never meet Elvis. I never got a chance to. And I bought everything I could that he ever had. So he wants to give to his fans what he couldn't get from Elvis? Is that Bingo. what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, right. at a cost. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not free. Definitely yeah, not New York cost. Gene, Gene likes money more than he likes fans. But, <laughs> but one of the things that at the Collector Fest is that um, the lady had a 3D Elvis poster from McFarland. And I got that for a peanuts years, like a year or two ago during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to grab it for you because it's my favorite little mini poster. It's a 3D ceramic poster. But you went like 40 bucks for it. I was like, oh, I know I can get yeah, it for 10. It's a little much. Yeah. yeah, but it's cool to have. I have that one and I have RoboCop. Nice. And, I, and I've sold the other ones because I always find them and people always offer you big money. For yeah, them. yeah. Like Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the Alien Egg is a ton of money, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, all that stuff. Big Falling does some great shit. Yeah, his toys are pretty cool. Um, but back to the show. Back to the show. Um, so, all right. The second best thing I got was that. And then I found out I missed out on the chainsaw from Evil Dead that my dog ate from Ashford's Evil Dead. And it was like 60 bucks. I said, no, thank you, sir. Right. It was too high. But I understand there was a giveaway for uh, New York Comic Con. Yeah, it was. It was. That show was all over the place. It was. You know what? Like I said, we had a good time. We were set up with Streetside Anthony and his buddy Vincent. So, like, it was a good hangout. Yeah, all, all the guys were great. Got to eat some chicken fingers. Yes, yes. Good chicken that was fingers. Good. I just should have got more ketchup. Traffic on the way there was very forgiving. Traffic on the way home was not. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I didn't really make any money, but I didn't lose any money. I came home yeah. with, like, 60 bucks or 70 bucks in my pocket, which yeah. for a day's work isn't really much. Yeah. But, um, but first, at least covered my costs. What killed me was all the people who came in the morning and didn't buy anything. Right. So I was like, you paid the early bird special just to get nothing. There were vendors at that show who didn't make one cent. Yes. Multiple vendors at that show. Yeah. The guy beside us did not sell one thing. One of the toy vendors in the middle section did not sell one thing. And they were into the, that table for 100 to $200, depending on how big their table was. Well, plus, someone, coming in from New York City, you're in it for 30 bucks worth of tolls, plus whatever gas you got to pay. So you're in this for... And you've got your lunch. So you're in it for a minimum of $150. And to then not make anything... Plus, you're losing a day of your time. Yeah. That sucks. But it happens sometimes. And it was, you know, not every show is going to be a winner. Um, There was a show that was nothing but comic books half an hour away, which had I known that was happening, I probably wouldn't have agreed to do this show in the first place. And it was on Father's Day. So I don't know. They were marketing it as a Father's Day show. And, hey, bring your dad out, your nerdy dad, and let your nerdy dad do his thing on Father's Day. But I don't know how well that marketing tactic actually worked. Because it wasn't especially busy. Totally. Here's two things from that show that I took away. One um, was uh, some people had multiple tables, mm-hmm. and that's rough. Two, for a Queen's Comic Party, I had enough of booking my shows around other people because I get the crowd that doesn't drive. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? So we have a place to be. So I booked out the whole rest of the year because I was like, I'm no longer going to try and compete with other people. Yep. Just competing with myself. It's like weight loss. I'm not worried about where I'm going. I'm worried about who I'm competing with myself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I took away from that show. But the guests who got me laughing, 
because yeah. we had some funny guests there. They, uh, there was an interesting guest list. Yeah, my uh, we'll go from uh, from uh, real funny to real cool. My <laughs> favorite was the fact that um, uh, Jack O'Halloran was there, uh, who plays um, uh, Non in Superman Two. Mm-hmm. And I originally was going to get a T-shirt, Superman T-shirt, and come to the show, but we were in eye distance from him, and I saw his prices, and I was like, "Thank God I came with a black T-shirt." Because you'd be eyeballing me from across from me, like, yo, can you come in over? I'm like, nah. His autograph was what, 75? It was like almost 150. That's insane. Yeah, with the yeah. photo in there, I was like, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I'm a Superman buff, but wow. Yeah. Wow. But then the other guys, boy, did they get funny. Um, one, um, I um we met uh I'll save him for last, but um the two people that cracked me up the most was uh, Thomas G. Waits from the Warriors. Who's also famous for the Warriors? He's Fox in the Warriors, and he was also um, one of the guys from the Thing. And he's a New York Ripper, Lucio Fulci's oh, New York Ripper. Nice, yeah. and he—I love that man because he also plays the mean dad in all the Law and Order episodes. <laughs> but what do you mean, my kid murdered somebody? That's bullshit. <laughs> and then there was Tony Daniels who played Tony the Tiger. And what cracked me up is they started singing Bob Denver songs together. Yeah, we were literally sitting behind a table eating chicken fingers when all of a sudden you hear, Kajiro, take me home. And <laughs> What's it's going t- on? And I, and I looked at, and then across from, across from us was Tyler Mayne, Sabretooth, mm-hmm. and also played Michael Myers in the recent Rob Zombie films. Yep. And I said, when, isn't it weird that the guy who was the voice of Tony the Tiger and the dude who got eaten by the spider head from The Thing uh-huh. are singing in this song? And he was like... He just kept nodding. <laughs> yeah, he's like, if you wanted to see the voice of Tony the Tiger jam with the guy from the Warriors doing some acoustic Bob Denver covers, this was the show for you. If you didn't want to see that, it might not have been the show for you. And the most expensive comic I saw there was the guy selling the Warriors comics from Pe- uh, Pe- Pe- uh, Pendragon Comics or whatever. Mm-hmm. 40 bucks a pop. I was like, oh, that's what they go for online, though. I get it you, is. but everything else I bought off the guy was peanuts. Yeah. There there was that one vendor in the corner who had, like, slap Silver Age stuff. Oh, my God. He had amazing books, but he had comic book prices on them. Yeah, and comics are going down. We yeah. keep talking about CGC scaring the crap out of us, mm-hmm. but he had legit good books. Oh, yeah, like he had X-Men a Spider-Man one. number one. Yeah, he had 100%. an X-Men number one. Yeah, this guy had the stuff. best shit out there. Yeah, he did. Oh. Were you, were you, you might have been wandering around the floor when that weird redheaded kid came up to me. No, I didn't see no Okay, so I can't believe I didn't tell you this on the way home in the car. So you were either like bathroom or walking around talking to people or whatever you were doing. And as you said, Tyler Maine from Halloween was sitting 10 feet away from us. And this little redheaded kid, I want to say he was like seven, maybe. And he comes up to my table. He goes, hey, 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 you know, that's Michael Myers over there. Yeah. And I said, yeah, and it's just an actor. But yeah, he played Michael Myers. He's like, I don't like Michael Myers. Michael Myers is a bad guy. I'm like, oh, it's, it, he's just an actor. Like, don't worry about it. He's a nice guy. Go say hi. He's a nice guy. He's like, no, no, no. Here's what happens. Michael Myers comes after me. I kill the motherfucker. <laughs> and I start cracking up, he's right? Seven he's seven years old. He's like, got red hair and like thick, thick Coke bottle glasses. And he starts jumping around in, my ta- in front of my table, like spin kicking in the air and stuff. He goes, Michael Myers gets me in a closet. I jump out and I go, you die, you son of a bitch. And then I kick him in the balls. And like this kid yeah. wouldn't stop. And like this went on for a couple of minutes and Anthony's with me and Anthony's just looking like, uh, we need to get this kid away from our table. This is like, people are not going to stop at our table. If there's like this crazy little ginger kid spin kicking him, F bombing everywhere. So finally I was like, all right, okay, uh, well, where are your parents? And he's like, I don't care. I don't need my parents to kill Michael Myers. This is my job. And eventually I was like, all right, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> Someone watch my table. Maybe this kid will go away. And then when I got back, 
the kid had gone. But I think the kid might have belonged to the guy who was running the show. So maybe it's good that I didn't run my mouth about it. Now I'm doing it on the internet where everyone can hear it, but that's okay. That's his problem. Mm -hmm. That's another thing I have a problem with. We're going, we're, this is our convention special tonight. <laughs> we're going to complain about local little conventions. But holy smoke, some of these guys don't know how to take care of their kids. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like him. I'm talking about like vendors, not vendors. I mean, uh, uh, people come in. Yeah. And they're like, oh, there's like a school letting these kids running around and they break stuff. And you're like, yo, you have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a convention. I remember New York Comic Con, the, the sheriff, because they have the state police, was returning kids and be like, yo, you have to pay for all the stuff they broke. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's kid day. And they're like, no, kids pay. Kids day doesn't <laughs> mean your kids get to run rampant and destroy things. Yeah. It means they can attend and have a good time. But, you know, as a parent, you got to watch what your kids do. You're yeah. liable for them. <laughs> it's that simple. Dude, what a nightmare. Yeah. What a freaking nightmare. Mm -hmm. And um, well, basically what we want to talk about on the show is um, during the pandemic, a lot of guys, before the pandemic and, and during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't come out to conventions. But now they're coming out and their prices are nuts. They're so high. It's all over the place. You get some dealers who are like, okay, I'm keeping a look at what things are actually selling for. Oh, no, I'm not attention. even talking about that. I'm just talking about guests. Oh, you're talking about signatures. Com you know, comic books. Let's do comic books. Then we'll go with signatures. All right. Comic book prices, the funny part is the high-end guys give you better deals. They'll turn around and be like, yo, it's really too high. I'll take care of you. Yeah. Like very Gary, a uh, uh, YouTuber, mm -hmm. all of his tables were great prices because he was like, this is too high. I'll take care of all of you. And he knows from a hole in the wall. Yeah. And that was great. But he was like, this is pandemic prices. It's like that. Right. He was like, they're up there, so I'm going to bring it down. Well, I was at one of the Queens comic parties a couple of months ago. A guy came up to me, and I had the first Punisher War Machine, uh, which a while ago was a book that went for 50 to 60 to $70 in good shape. And I had one in good shape. So I had a $50 price tag on it. And he said to me very politely, not antagonistic at all. He said, Hey, he said, no disrespect, but he said, I'm interested in the, the Punisher 218, but you're pretty high on that. Um, would you come down on it? And I was like, yeah, I could do 40. He goes, they're selling for 25. And I said, okay, well, let me look into this. And he went off and did some other stuff. And he came back to me like 15 minutes later. And, and I said, I looked it up and I said, yeah, you're right. The last one just sold for, you know, $24.99 plus shipping. I said, so you're not paying shipping here. How does 25 sound? He said, done. He said, I'll take both of them. So he bought both of them. So that was fine. It was my mistake. I hadn't repriced the book because I hadn't looked at it in six months. And you can't reprice your books every time you do a show. It's impossible. It takes way too much time. But you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to admit that sometimes your prices are wrong. And this was one of those cases where, and again, this guy was super polite about it. He wasn't a jerk about it, which made me want to work with him. Yeah. 100%. And uh, yeah, okay. Hey, if, I can, if you could talk, we'll walk. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, if I'm overpriced on the book, I don't want to be. I'm not out to rip anybody off. You know, I'm out to basically just fund my comic book habit. It's not my day job. I don't yeah. need to do this to put food on the table or pay rent. I have a day job for that. So I can be flexible and I don't need to get top dollar for everything. Now, I don't want to also sell a $100 book for 20 book, bucks, mm -hmm. but, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Admit I made a mistake, and it turned out that oh, he buy, wound up buying a stack of stuff from me. Yeah, so. you get a bigger deal with your other stuff. Yeah, and he comes back, too. Yeah. That guy's come back a few times. So. Because he always knows you make a deal. Yeah. Jersey killed me because people were not complaining about prices, and they were like, oh, you know, like uh, in South Jersey, I could have got this. And I'm like, well, we're not from South Jersey. Yeah. Like, we're coming from Queens, dude. Mm -hmm. like, we're trying our best. Queens and the Bronx, you yeah. know what I mean? Yep. It turns out a lot of vendors were from Brooklyn there. Yes. And then I got the numbers at Hot Flip, so we're, like, going to work with them. But okay. They were like, man, that travel killed us with the, with the fees. It was, you know, like I said, we left, what, 7 in the morning, right? Yes. We left at 7 in the morning, and we got there at, like, quarter to 8. So we made pretty good time. It took us just over 40 minutes to get there. 
And I don't think I hit the brakes once, except when I was going around a corner very quickly and wanted to slow down. So yeah, we didn't roll the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the way home, yeah, that was almost two hours. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. And we're not doing that again. I'm sorry. Nope. If we go out, we're going only as buyers. Mm-hmm. And even then, all those people were on their own like spectrum of prices. Yeah. Because that's the only way I can describe it, because it's like some were 50 cents yeah. and then some were $50. Right. And it was the same fucking book. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, holy smokes. And the cool, the cool thing about going as buyers is like, okay, so when did we leave? We left at five o'clock. Well, on the weekend, that's when everybody went away for the weekend is going back in the New York City. So we're in that traffic. Yeah. If we're going as buyers, we're like, ah, two o'clock, let's go. Yeah. So let's <laughs> and we'd probably be home in 45 minutes. Like we were the first on the way there. Yeah. And uh, we're just going to focus on Queens and Brooklyn working on that mm-hmm. for, to, for the betterment. Um, but my big thing was like the autograph prices. This show didn't have that many uh, people there to like sign. It had like a dozen or so people, but they weren't people we cared about. Yeah, comic books. It was like movie uh, guests. The guys from The Sopranos. It was cool. Yeah, there was the... And Tyler May was a well-priced person. He was very nice. And he was a super nice guy. The the lady who did the voice of Tinkerbell and Peter Pan was there. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of older fellows buying Tinkerbell uh, pops to get them signed. I was like, what a great, like, perfect uh, thing to get. There were like a couple of people. There was somebody who I think did voice acting on Dragon Ball. Mm Mm-hmm. Who had a big one? Vic Magnodia. Sure, I yeah. don't know. Uh, he is everybody's favorite guest for a comic convention. Okay, because they tried to cancel him years ago, and he just stuck to his guns, and he was perfectly fine. Okay, because a lot of other voice actors trying to take his gig. So, but now, but all the kids who grew up on him know if you go see him, you're gonna meet a gentleman. Yeah, he's a hugger and a kisser, and he's like, "Come on down, let's take a photo, take a couple of photos, all of us." Same price, everything. You're here to see me. I love you. Thank you for following me. So he's good to his fans. Hell yeah. Follows, writes back to you. Always positive. You know, he's everything that Captain Kirk should be. He played <laughs> Captain Kirk at one point. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you get to get the attitude is great. Yeah. He was great. Uh, Tyler Mayne was great. Chi-Chi was great <laughs> from Scarface. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, more what bugged me out was comic book pricing for comic book artists. So the pandemic passed. They never did shows beforehand, but now that everything from their independent books, like um, uh, what was the name of that stupid company that did their own IPs, and it was like really bad, bad idea, bad idea, yeah, and bad idea fell through, and they didn't get no money out of that, like they thought they were like IPs. Now the pricing for autographs are monstrous. It's pretty crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, Peach from Moco charges very little. Yeah. Like she didn't charge anything for signatures. Yeah, for a while she only started doing it now to keep uh, the flippers in. Yeah, because they would come with fifty bucks and hold it off. Right. But if you're another artist, I don't want to go into details. Some of fifty bucks. It's a lot. And then ten bucks per autograph, and you're a new guy. I'm like, you're not that good, but you do a lot of covers, mm-hmm. and they're all digital art. Right. Like I know you're a digital artist because I could tell. Yeah. Like I'm not. You can dumb. always tell, and that's not even to slam digital artists. I mean, it's a medium that's clearly very important to comic books these days because half the covers you see out there now are digital art hundred percent and there's some very good digital artists out there but it's a little different when you're having some somebody to me and this could just be me being old i'm an old man but to me like if i'm having you sign something it's something i want you to have created by hand yeah and i guess you still are to an extent because you're you're drawing on the tablet you're just not drawing on paper right yeah so i don't know I have no idea where I'm going with this point. I lost uh, it. To, I me, know, to I, me, digital art just isn't quite the same as the guys doing pencil ink. 100%. But there's also guys that you can tell the style is all there. It's like, I'm a big Mike Cho fan. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Great uh, cheap autograph because he knows you're going to come bunch of them. But uh, the sketches all went up. I don't know what people are going to do that now people don't have money to buy these sketches to sell again. Yeah. Like, 
I don't know why Eduardo Riso is 50 bucks for a beautiful sketch, but then the same person who's only been doing this for six months. Yeah. It's like a hundred bucks. Yeah. I'm like, no. But how many sketches are they selling at a hundred bucks? Probably not many. So they're going to learn their lesson quickly because if they're paying for their table space, yeah, but they're now, not going to make any money. And now you're seeing people feel it now every show. Let me go do what you want. Mm-hmm. I like my sketches. Like 50 bucks is like the max I'm going to do now. And Walt Simonson does it for a donation for right. a hero initiative. And he signs all your books. Yeah. Cool bean. No, Jim's up does that too. I went to school with Jim. He's a college friend of mine. And uh, he's got to sign my uh, Spider-Man if we see him. Did he write a Spider-Man book? Jim Zub, Z-U-B-B? Yeah. I might be thinking of Zub Wells. Could be Zub Wells. I'm talking about Jim Zubkovich. Which books did he do? He did, for Marvel, he wrote Conan. Um, He has done the Samurai Jack series for IDW. I got a bunch Uh, of those. They're good. They're really good. I love Samurai Jack. He did some Dungeons & Dragons stuff. He did the Conan meets Red Sonja crossover for Dynamite. Um, He's done some stuff for Marvel. But it's not stuff that I personally collected a lot of. I know he's done some Avengers books. He might have done No Road Home. He might have worked on that one. I have that. Yeah, did I? Then it's ZUBB. Uh, I think he just his full name is Subkovich. Everybody just calls him Sub, but I think he signs as ZUB. I think with one B. All right, I think I have those one. That's nice the one guy. where Conan becomes a member of the Avengers. Yes, yes. Nice guy. Went to college with him. I could tell some stories about him on air that would embarrass him, but I won't do that yeah, no. out of respect because he's a good guy. But same deal. He'll sign for free with a suggested donation to the Heroes Initiative. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't have a problem throwing money down for a charity and get something in nice, personalized in return. Mm-hmm. And he's really good to his fans, too. There was one time where I was in Toronto with my kids and there we saw a side free comic show at the big library downtown. And we're like, hey, let's go to the free comic show. And we get in there and I'm like, oh, there's Jim on the other side of the table or the other side of the hall. And he doesn't know I'm there because I didn't know I was going to the show until I walked past the sign. So I had my kids go up to him and say, holy rockamole, you're Jim Subkovich from Lords of the Underground, which was this goofy video that we made in college. That's awesome. And and Jim turns around. He's like, all right, where is he? I know he's here. I know he's here. And, but he, he made... He did some sketches. He did Samurai Jack sketches for my kids. He gave them books and signed them because he knows you got to keep younger readers coming in. Yeah. And my kids remember that. Like they talk about it. They know. They remember Jim's up. They remember Samurai Jack because he was good to them and he was nice to them. And they, they, part of the reason they buy comics is because of that interaction. Doug Mankey, Uh who did the mask and did uh, the Batman run that everybody wants of the Red Hood and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Me and him got into an argument, not an argument, I mean a conversation, but he's a sweet man. Sweet man who can wreck people. Recommend. <laughs> Is he big dude? Big dude. Yeah. Big dude. He he looks like his drawings. Okay. You know what I mean? Like Major Bummer and all of them. And he goes, yo, so many young people are bringing me trade paperbacks to sign. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, because they love your work. They don't care about making money off of it. Right. He goes, I don't even charge them. Yeah. And like, they're for free. Right. He, like, straight, he was doing free signatures and $20 sketches. Well, when I was a kid, when I went to, a, the first time I went to a comic convention, uh, Dave Sim and Mike Grell were the, the two big guests. And Mike Grell signed like eight books for me for free. Remember the other day when you found out he was the writer for Turok? Yeah, I had no idea. Me and then, uh, uh, real quick, this is a side note. A lot of people see our well, we have a quest for Turok uh, thing or Queen's Comic Party or Turok Comic Party hashtag. So many people are posting them, but then the the, the comments are like, "Man, I loved reading them because of mm-hmm. this artist and that artist." And I'm like, I forgot this was popular to some degree. It was popular, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then my girls is just a great great writer. He's yep. a longbow hunters. I read I, a longbow hunters. I said said it before. I'll say it again. Every bit as good as Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Someday that book will get his due. Yes. Because well, it's a Green Arrow never got his due as no, a good never, character. Never. And his run on writing Green Arrow afterwards is really strong. Yeah, I have the whole trait. I have it right there. Yeah. All the whole run. Yep. It's One, good. two, nine. Yep. And they introduce Shadow, the, the sexy female ninja. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I knew those were good books, and DC doesn't do enough prints of all of them. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, how, how was uh, Sims for uh, signing? Uh, you know what? I was a kid. I wasn't into Cerebus. Uh, okay. I knew he was there. I knew who he was, but I don't think I had any Cerebus books. Um, but I remember even years later, like when I was in my late teens, early 20s, going to a convention in Toronto, and Bill Sienkiewicz was there. He signed for free. Yes. I remember meeting Mike Mignola in 2001. He not only signed for free, but did a sketch. Well, um, you know my famous story with Mike Mignola with St. Mark's Comics? What's that? that I felt, all right. When I was 13, I went to St. Mark's Comics to do a signing for the new Hellboy book. Okay. Nobody was in there. There's more people in this room. Me and you. Yeah, yeah. And I felt so bad. I looked at my books on the wall. I was like, hey, man, what you write? And he was like, oh, Hellboy, you want to check it out? I was like, yeah, let me get it. So he signed it for me. And then um, now I'm addicted to Hellboy. I have right. all the books. I have a half-sleeve tattoo mm-hmm. of Hellboy. It's my favorite book. Hands down my favorite comic book. So years later, I went to go see him at New York Comic Con, and the line was out the door. Yeah. And people were like lining up. A lot of flippers, uh-huh. a lot of stuff like that, but everybody was there for Hellboy. Yep. So when I saw him at Mocha Fest last year, not the most recent one, but the like 2022 one, mm-hmm. I was telling him about that, and he was like, where was it? I was like, St. Mark's Comics. He was like, I can't remember it, but I remember being like, wow, nobody came. Yeah, yeah. You know, I felt so bad because he's my favorite writer, mm-hmm. favorite writer and artist. And I showed him my tattoos. Like, yo, we got to take a photo together. When I got when I met Mignola, it was uh, Seed of Destruction had just come out. Yeah. So oh, I brought, I brought the new. four issues, and they, you know, they had just come out, and he signed them for free and did a sketch on a backing board for me. Awesome guy. They used to do backing board sketches all the time. This mm-hmm. was maybe... Again, it's the 10-year age difference. Maybe you missed out, out on that. I don't know. But I got a backing board sketch from Matt Wagner one time. Nice. Like, what, what happened? Was oh, like, I just picked up some mages yesterday. This is mages great. And so you you have a backing board with your books out on top of it to get signed. You put it down because you don't want to damage the back of the book or whatever. That's at least why I always did it. And sometimes the guys would see the backing board and just, like, doodle on it for you. Like, yeah. Kind of like a remark now. And so M- Matt Wagner did this really cool, like, Sharpie sketch of Two-Face. He said, two years, you suck. And then um, Joe Linsner did a Dawn piece for me. That's awesome. And um, Richard Conley, the man who created and wrote uh, and created um, Captain Canuck. Oh, nice. He signed my first issue with Captain Canuck, and he did a backing board sketch for me, too. So that used to be fairly commonplace. And they didn't take money for it. No. You know, they would sell books yeah. at their table and stuff like that. And I think they were probably paid an appearance fee of some sort. Yeah. But they didn't charge for signatures for a long, long time. And it's only, I think, CGC is to blame for a lot of that because, understandably, with a signature certification, those books go for more. And yeah. artists are like, well, maybe I should get a cut of that. And there's some truth to that. 100%. But it's getting to the point where you're paying 50 to 100 bucks for some of these guys' signatures. Yeah. That's a well, lot. We have, uh, we're have we going to bring up somebody we know, hopefully listens to the podcast, know this is all in just bringing up Rodney. Rodney, Rodney Ramos. Rodney Ramos, one of the best artists that we know. Great guy, great attitude. Worked on Toxic Avenger, probably best known for inking Transmetropolitan. Yes, probably. Yes. Great book. Who's never going to get to do from politics mm-hmm. and uh, cancellation? Yeah, not because of nothing to do with Rodney or the other no, artists no, on no. there. No, just because the writer puts himself in a bad position. Yep. one of the best X Force writers, Warren Ellis. Get your shit together, pal. He's working on it. Everybody gets a comeback. He, he made. Everybody what, loves a comeback. We talked about this a while ago. He made what I feel is a pretty sincere apology. Has, has not repeated his bad behavior. No. So, in my eyes, yeah, you made a mistake. You got partially canceled. That's your own damn fault. He seems to be trying to turn it around. 100%. He made some donations to charity and seems to be doing the right thing. So I'm not going to say Warren Ellis's persona non grata in my house. No, me too. Um, I love Channel Metropolitan. Yeah. Did not like the ending. The ending to the book series was kind of whack. Yeah. But that's me. But Ronnie, I asked him for our Queen's Comic Party. I was like, hey, just so you know, some people have asked for a CGC witnessing. No problem. It's just a little bit more fee 
I charge for an autograph, but it's all cool. I was like, mm-hmm. how would you feel if I gave out my own certificate of authenticity? He goes, yeah, it's no problem. It's for the show, right? He goes, right. Oh, we'll charge this much. I was like, no problem. Yeah. It was very low. Yeah. It's very low because he knows it's a local show mm-hmm. and we're just doing something new. Yep. Because I'm, I'm trying to make a little bit more extra on the, because we don't charge admission. Right. So I got to make back what I can. Right. But he was the most honest, straightforward guy because he goes, I know trauma is coming out with a new film. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants me to sign their Toxic Avengers. Yeah. And he goes, and it's coming in loaded, like wave after wave. Mm-hmm. Like, like some guys, I guess, didn't pay attention to the vendors list, but they were like, call me like, yo, if I go home and get my Toxic Avengers, they'll so be I was like, yeah, hey, there's no five. Yeah. And they did. Yep. You know, and he's great artist, great guy. And he was fun. He's a fun guy to drink fun. with. Oh, yeah. I imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I gave him a beer and he's like, oh, you got beer. I was like, hell yeah. Well, I don't know. 18th Award Brewery. This Thank was, you. This <laughs> was, this was before you knew him probably this was one of the comic parties at the drift yeah this is before and, i knew yeah and so i had i knew him at that point and i was like oh you gotta come out and check it out it's in brooklyn it's free it's not too far from the l train he's like what time are you gonna be there told him he shows up i'm like rod rod's here so i stopped shopping for comics and i sat down at the bar with rod <laughs> fun guy great attitude. before you knew it i needed a ride home <laughs> great guy yeah but he's one of the last artists who I think really enjoys what he does. Mm-hmm. He just wants to do more work. And the comic stuff is just fun. Yep. You know, and I like that. The thing is, though, he's also an older gentleman. Yeah, he's in his 50s. Yeah. So he's a last of a good breed of artists who work hard. Everybody else is like, I just came out with this book. I need to know the signature. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you are brand spanking new. I've never even heard of you. Right. You know what I mean? And that gets to me a lot mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh. I was like, they're like, oh, you know, I can give you a fee for me showing up. I was like, I can get Paul Levis to show up for free. Yeah. I yeah. was like, I, but I just don't. Right. I was like, I can't, I'm not paying you to come. If right. you want to come, you can rent a table and I'll give you a table spot, but you're so fresh and you're fresh and new. Right. And you want to help those people, but at the same time, ego comes into play, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's good to get out there and self-promote. But if you're just starting out and nobody knows your book, do what you can to get into people's hands. And if that yeah. involves signing for free, which takes you a a second or two, then sign for free. Yeah. You know, make the money once your name starts to rise and people know who you are and you're a, a proven commodity at that point. And you've got, you know, a few issues under your belt, but you know, I won't name any names, but there's, there's an artist in New York. I know whose book is out self-published and nobody knows it. Nobody buys it, but he wants to charge a couple of bucks for a signature on it. Yeah. And that's off-putting to a lot of people. One of my close friends is like that. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm also trying for signature. I was like, what'd you put out? And he goes, right. oh, I have two comics out. And I was like, yeah, but you, you, yeah, you like, yeah, have you sold them out yet? Right. You know, you're self-published. I know how much it costs to make it because I gave you a cheaper printer and you ignored me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but you just ignore those people, man. Some people take too long to even put out work. Right. While the rest of us are struggling to put stuff out. Yeah. And it's work. It is work, like you say. Like, and and even doing the self promotion is work. Like you know, because you do all the promotion for the show. So similar idea, you know, street level marketing and trying to get people to just pay attention to what's happening. And it's the same thing when you're self publishing a book. It's a lot of work just to get yourself out there and to do it. But I think that like you're hurting yourself if you charge for signatures when you're just starting. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. It's different if you're Stanley, different if you're Jim Steranko, or mm-hmm. something like that. But if you're just some dude off the street who wants people to look at his book, offer to sign for free, offer to sketch in the book or remark for free because it'll get people's attention. I've bought books from people who I'd never heard of before 
because they would do that. So uh, going back to Toronto, a convention I was at in Toronto, this was a long time ago. There was a small press book. And when I mean small press, I mean made on a photocopier and hand stapled. Okay. It was called Dressed for Success. And it was this goofy little self-published comic. I think they made four or five issues. I have no idea what happened to the guys behind it. I should look them up because I don't remember the names. Maybe they're superstars now. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't know who the hell they were. And they were like, I stopped at their table and I was looking at it. And the guy goes, oh, just so you know, he said the the book is like $3 or $5 or whatever it was. He goes, but, and he flips the book over. He goes, we'll draw you with the characters for free. So what they had on the back cover was one character from the book on the left, one character on the book on the right. And then in the middle was a space where they would draw whoever bought the book from them. Yes. So I was like, that's a cool idea. So I bought it from them because they, they drew me on the back cover with the characters. So that was creative marketing. It, yes, it took some of their time to do it. But when I say they drew it, it wasn't like a super intense fine art piece. It was a quick, very quick sketch. It took them five minutes, but it got me to stop, check out the book and buy it from them. Or I wouldn't yeah. have done that if they and come back later again and right. do it again. Yeah. If, if they were like, oh, we're going to charge you $20 for this. I would have been thanks, but no thanks. Cause I don't know who you are or what your book is about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, start humble and then work your way up. And yeah, I think you you'll get a lot more attention. Hell yeah. Time. It takes time. It does. Adam Cooper gave me a free sketch and it went to me out on the back of a, of a uh-huh. comic board. Yeah. He signed my book and he pulled it out and he just drew me a sketch. It's awesome. And I was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And I was getting an anxiety attack. He was like, you're the only one that's not talking to me about everything I've ever done in my life. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a sketch. I was like, thank you. And then I sold him a boiler. <laughs> in like a really weird situation that he was building a house nearby and my brother's a plumber. Okay. So there you go. That's how I make connections with people. But yeah. but yeah, I can't like I don't get it. People don't get like like there's some books I'm dying to like get signed or like uh with some creators. Mm-hmm. And and I understand the way flippers are, but haven't you given up and gone back to selling cards now or selling sneakers? <laughs> like, shouldn't you, don't you have enough fake boxes, fake mystery boxes that sell across country borders? Mm-hmm. You've already gotten a cease and desist from the federal gaming commission for, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I'm not talking about the ones we know. I'm talking about this little ones that people have been hitting up. Right. They've been all hit from eBay. And like, yeah, dude, it is true. Yeah. Can't gamble or interstate. Yeah. Get a license. Yeah. You know, let the, let uncle Sam get his cut. Mm-hmm. You want to jump onto the indie book of the underground book of the week? Underground book of the week. All right. It's another issue of Zap. I'm going to do a better job this time. It's all good. Bought my glass. I brought my glasses out so I can maybe not have anxiety attack by looking at S. Clay Wilson's art. Uh, the goggles uh, do nothing. <laughs> yeah, the goggles do nothing. So, yeah, here we are. Um, number 13. Copyright date on it is not. It was 1984. So it's it's later era Zap. But check out the cover on this. I'm going to very it cool. very carefully because it's. Oh, it goes across that the back. is so great. Yeah, so cool. There's a surfing image done by, how do you pronounce his name? Morosco? I think it's Morosco. Of an eyeball and a kid surfing on a pen and a pencil. And uh, on the back, surfing on a, a paintbrush and a pencil. There's like a good version. Angels on the front, devils on the back. It's nice, nice the way it ties in. And then the Zap logo forms out of the froth um, on the white cap of the waves. It opens with a jam piece dedicated to the memory of Rick Griffin, who had passed away around the time that was Mage with um, all the Zap creators in there. Like, you can see, like, all right, there's Spain drawing himself. You can tell that's Crumb. Um, you can tell that's Esley Wilson. They're all in there. Gilbert Shelton's in there, too. That lasts a few page. A few no, that's pages. rough, man. Yeah. That's nice to do a tribute to your friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's Tiny Dino Comics, which is a weird strip that, uh, I said Morosco, it's Moscoso that he did that just... just something. Yeah. <laughs> just weird, like, kind of funny little, funny animal stuff. Abstract stuff. Retro dope comics by him as well, which is again like 
a lot of the stuff you can tell by flipping through it. Like these guys were on drugs when they made it. But that's, <laughs> that's part of the appeal. That's part of the appeal of, of the Zap stuff. Um, the highlight of the issue is the crumb story, which is typical for Zap. And this one's just called Dumb. And uh, it starts with a picture of Crumb with a, uh, a little splash underneath. It calls him the old curmudgeon. And he says, looking back from the lofty plane of my 50 years on this earth, it's all too clear to me now that when I was a young man, I was, and then big giant hand letters, dumb. And then he just goes through talking about like how tenacious he was as a younger man and how he thought he knew everything and how he would kind of let people know that he thought he knew everything and how much smarter he was than everybody else only to realize as he got to be an adult after like, you know, joining the hippie movement, becoming like pretty much the God of underground comics at the time that he really doesn't know any more than anybody else. Fair so enough. it's kind of like reasonably humble by crumb standards because his work isn't always humble, but no. it's done like the artistic version. The art, the art in it is beautiful. Like with all the, like the cross hatching that he does and the detail that he does, it, it ends with him kind of marrying Eileen, nice. which is nice because she's since passed away. So it's a nice little tribute to her. And then we got edge city comics, which S Clay Wilson wrote and drew. And, and again, even with the glasses on, I'm just like, Oh my God, looking at this is like, an experience there's oh so much God. going on and everything. i panel. love those as posters because yeah. uh, their eye like their their busy eye pictures mm -hmm. like, wow. and then the centerfold is by robert williams it's called the saint kahuna surfing mysteries and it's just like a weird batch of like it's got jesus surfing against the devil they're like having a competition <laughs> and they're they're talking about like okay why did martians activate the spirits of the tiki's how did saint kahuna shoot the curl on a flat sea why were the oil spills not slippery? It's just, it's it's fun kind of surfing related nonsense. It goes back into more S. Clay Wilson art, which you have to flip the book over to look at properly. Yo, dude, that's so much going so on. So much, yeah. It's a, some check. And he doesn't pieces. have a book out of all his work yet? No, I think there's a couple of books. I think he just died a couple of years ago. I'm pretty sure there's some pantographic books out there. Damn. Anyway, it's obscene. The F. Clay Wilson buy money is, on my part. Yeah, it's, it's, it's reasonably pornographic, but like so well drawn. But again, like, I love his art, but it, it gets to me <laughs> yeah when um, they get down yeah there's then there's a gilbert shelton piece that like is so guys gonna drill while we're talking probably Sorry, a, it, <laughs> it happens and literally the guy's changing a tire yeah. for the first time so right. one second on that one now there's a gilbert shelton piece that like you would think would be fabulous furry freak brothers type stuff right but it's called graveyard ghost and it's just like this weird somber piece about cemeteries and the artwork is stunning it's so like completely different than his usual style and then uh, we have another Robert Williams piece and then uh, the Spain Rodriguez piece called Fisher's Jacket, which is about the, the history of the, the biker jackets that his gang wore, which is kind of nice. cool. Yeah. So that's the issue. I think that's the last story. I love that guy, Spain. He's great. Yeah. But you know what it is about all this stuff? It's very California. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. It ends with another jam piece okay. from the guys. That's cool. Yeah. I think we mentioned the Spain Rodriguez documentary. In fact, I know we did, but you haven't. If you haven't seen that yet, check no, it out. Rent it on Amazon for like three bucks. Uh, I don't like the fact that Amazon was doing so much free stuff for so long, and now everything's rental. Yeah, so they totally turned to like they're like we're broke. I mean, uh -huh. no, you're not. no, they're not broke. <laughs> they're definitely not broke. All right, well, okay. we're uh, we're the Queen's Comic Podcast, and this is coming to an end on this episode. Yep, we'll see you next time. Bye.